0: Welcome back to the In the Dugout podcast. My name is Jason Ward, a.k.a. Red Sox Dugout, and I'm alongside Alex Jefferson. Hello. We've got a big episode this week. Number 10 Red Sox prospect, second round draft pick from 2018, Nick Decker, and number 17 prospect, 11th round draft pick from last year, Nick Northcutt, both on the show. We interviewed them in their dugout in the little Spinner Stadium. But before we get to that, we've got a lot to talk about. So, news broke today that the Red Sox are designating Eduardo Nunez for assignment. So, he's no longer
1: on the roster, and he's he's gone. Yeah, no one's going to pick him up. No one's going to want to, like, sign him off waivers or, like, trade for him. I mean, he's bad. Like, really bad. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, the move makes sense, and I kind of saw it coming, yet I was still surprised when I saw it today. I'm surprised the Red Sox actually did it. So, Eduardo Nunez... um. As bad as he is, he does play really, really hard. Yeah, he gives his he gives his best effort out there. Uh, like I put on my story today, he may not be the best overall talented player out there on the field, but he's one of the best people out there, one of the best guys, and he'll give 110% effort every single time he's out there. You saw it in the World Series where he was just flopping around, giving his life <laughs> to make some plays, staying in that game. Um, but yeah, he's just not had success this year. A negative 1.3 war, which is last in the American League. Only three hitters in the league have a lower OPS than him. And he's negative 30 in defensive runs saved, which
1: he's a terrible fielder. Yeah. so any position. He's just a liability at this point. I mean, he's making us worse. The stats say it. I mean, you see it on the field every day when he's playing. There's a reason he hasn't been playing at all lately. Um, Especially when you have guys in the infield like Brock Holt and... Marco Ma- Marco Hernandez, Michael Chavis, Xander Bogarts, Devers. like There's just better yeah. options. And we don't need him like on the roster t- taking up a roster spot. Absolutely. Marco Hernandez took his job.
0: Yeah. Marco Hernandez came in and established himself as a better overall player than Eduardo Nune- Nunez in every sense. He has that clutch ability that Eduardo Nunez has, except even more. He has better speed, better fielding, better hitting, Arguably a better energy, um, so I think yeah, like
1: it's a win. It's a win situation here, just replacing Nunez with Marco Hernandez. I yeah. think everyone can agree with that.
0: It's just best for the best for the team. It makes sense, but um, the tough part is Eduardo Nunez has such a great bond with some of the players on this team. I know like Xander Bogart, Bogarts. Devers, Eduardo Rodriguez. So those guys are gonna miss him, but in a in a baseball sense, like we've said, it makes sense. Um, we'll always remember. When he when he first came from the Giants and he batted like 500 for a couple of weeks and just, he was going nuts, and then his pinch hit three run homer in the World Series. I mean that and was a classic.
1: Oh yeah, and obviously the game three uh, against the Dodgers where he was giving where he was like literally falling apart, but he was still running every pitch out no matter what, which yeah. I think I think in the in the long run makes him a true Red Sox, unlike some of the players that just don't run out little ground balls like. That's what we expect from a player like Nunez and I think we will always be appreciative of what he brought to this team absolutely absolutely um, so let's talk
0: about that the past Dodgers series first series coming out of the all-star break um, so after the first game looked great it, we I was like oh here we go
1: 2018 we're back <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah and well, then... so let's let's talk about game one before yeah. we get to before we get to game two. Eduardo Rodriguez is amazing. He's yeah. now ten and four on the season. He's like tied for like sixth in the league and wins. He's yeah. yeah he's legit. He's been super um super good. Just for the record, I did predict
0: this heading yeah, into the I, season. I know I remember I was there. Okay. Um so yeah, in this game, seven innings pitched, one run and ten K's. I mean, awesome performance from him.
1: Beat the Dodgers 8-1. to one. Offense showed up. Bogey homered. Devers homered. Vasquez homered.
0: Yeah, Vasquez's 15th bomb on the season. More than he's had combined in his career.
1: I saw a stat while I was watching the game, uh, the game 2, and it was like Vasquez had like 12 total home runs in his first like 950-something at-bats. Yeah. And in like 260 this year, he's hit 15.
0: It's unbelievable. And it's awesome. It's exactly what the Red Sox need from that position. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so they won that game eight to one. Awesome overall win against the best team in the majors. And then game two happened. Yeah, that was unfortunate. <laughs> they lost that one eleven to two. Uh the wheels just fell off. Chris Sale uh got another loss, his ninth of the season. He's now three and nine.
1: Yeah. Um he just didn't look right. Like I was watching it live, like I said, and he was just like missing with pitches like he shouldn't be missing and it almost looked like he was trying to go in sometimes and the ball would go out and he was just like his fastball looks completely different than what it did from a year ago I mean he even knows it like there was a quote he did in an interview after the game and he was saying that he's trying to locate his fastball it's the biggest thing he's been working on um he's trying to throw it and it's moving like a cut fastball which is something that he's never done in his life Um, And he also emphasized that shutdown innings are a thing he hasn't done all year. He hasn't had one all year and that he's digging his team into a hole that they can't get out of and they're doing everything they can. And that's completely true. Um, I hate to be the bearer the bearer of bad news, but Chris sale has not, he's a mess. Yeah.
0: He called himself a liability to the team. And really that's basically what he is at this point. He, came in like he is supposed to be our ace and he has been quite the opposite of that nine losses it's it's bad and i'm not a major league baseball player but not knowing like knowing the problem and not knowing how to fix it must be
1: one of the most frustrating things for a player oh especially someone who's got as much passions or not passions passion as <laughs> chris sale like yeah. he, he he cares so much and he, it it's probably it must be killing him inside not to be playing well
0: yeah, it's part of his identity. He loves to compete. He loves to dominate. And he's just hes not having a good season at all. We need him to turn this around. I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't know if we should put him on the IL for 10 days, try to get him to sort it out himself there. I have a question. Was Vasquez catching game two? No, it was Leon. That's thats so weird. I don't think the catcher's the problem because he's just as bad with Sandy Leon the past few games as he has been with Christian yeah. Vasquez. It's all on Chris L. He needs to figure this out. We need to help him figure this out because we need him in the long run.
1: Luckily for us, we got a little bit of starting relief that maybe will take a little bit of pressure off of him. Like I feel like he has a lot of pressure on him, you know, to be that guy.
0: Yeah, I think David Price and Eduardo Rodriguez both stepping up
1: could help him. Yeah, I agree. help take the pressure
0: off. I
1: think if Rick Porcello doesn't suck every other yeah. game, that would also help. But those are
0: the two guys that we really need to step up in the pitching sense. Chris Sale and former Cy Young winner, Rick Porcello. Both of them have not been good. Both of them need to be good. Um, Yeah, Chris Sale, four and two-thirds inning pitched, seven hits,
1: five runs in this game. A bunch of walks, too. Yeah. Like, he was striking out, like, every batter, but that doesn't matter if you're giving up five runs on seven hits.
0: That's what I find kind of interesting, is he's still striking out a lot of batters. He's just giving up a lot of hits
1: and runs while he does it. I think his stuff is good for the most part, but he has that w- those couple pitches every inning that just get away from him. Yeah. Like kind of like he said, like, kind of like he said he doesn't have that lockdown ability this year, which is something he's had in years past, and I think that lack of being able to lock down opposing hitters with his movement on his pitches is really hurting him because he can't be consistent with it.
0: Yeah. He's just missing his spots. He can't he just can't hit the spots he needs to when he needs to. I really hope he turns it around. Like I said, we need him. And it didn't really help that Stephen Wright came in after him and just gave up three earned runs before hurting himself. Oh my God, I can't. I can't deal with Stephen Wright anymore. Yeah, I'm. I'm done with him. He's on the aisle now with some toe injury from getting hit by the pitch oh, or getting poor baby. hit by the comebacker. You just get out of here. Yeah. We honestly. don't need you. Like you're washed up. You did what you just get out of here. Game three. <laughs> Yeah. Last night. <laughs> let's let's just move on from that whole. <laughs> Not like this is much better. So, game three, after five hours and forty minutes, we lost seven to four. So, the story of this game was a it was a pitching duel after the first inning. Both starters had a rough first inning. Both aces. Yeah, yeah. The the best pitcher in the National League versus our best pitcher, David Price. Um, yeah, so it was a pitching duel after the first inning. David Price ended up actually pitching pretty well after that first inning. So then the Sox were down 4-2 to two in the eighth when Xander Bogarts and J.D. Martinez went back-to-back to tie it.
1: Just to be clear, that's Bogie's third home run since the All-Star break in three games. Like, he's he's on raking. fire. He's raking. Also, it's really good to see J.D. get some pop back into his bat, especially yep. this soon after the All-Star break, seeing as that was kind of a big concern going into the All-Star break was the lack of power that he's had.
0: Yeah, so they went back-to-back. It was starting to look up. I was getting all excited that we might actually win this. Uh, the bullpen was actually pretty good. They had six scoreless innings after Price as it went into extra innings.
1: Um, One of their better showings all year, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, but but then the Red Sox just really hurt themselves with mistakes. They
1: shot themselves in the foot.
0: Yeah, in the, in the 11th inning, um, JBJ, he doubled to get on second base with no outs in the 11th. And then Core decided not to bunt him over to third base. Despite with- having a pretty fast
1: runner at the plate.
0: And with, a good bunter. He bunted yeah. earlier in that game. So, yeah, he decided not to bunt with Marco Hernandez up with zero outs and move JBJ over to third base. And then Marco grounded to shortstop, and for some reason, Jackie Bradley Jr. thought it was a good idea to run to third
1: base. I, I don't have any words. I have no explanation for that decision.
0: He was he was out by a mile. He was so out, he should have been tossed from that game. <laughs> W- <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. You can't make mistakes like this in this kind of game in this kind of spot.
1: No, especially not, especially not in front of a national like audience. Like this game was the Sunday night baseball game. You can't do that against the best team in the major leagues. Yeah, that was embarrassing. You
0: can't make that mistake. And there's part of it's on Cora too for not deciding to bunt. He said something like he'd rather have three chances to get JBJ in from second with singles or whatever. But I, I mean, would
1: I wouldn't, because, like, say you bunt him over, you put the ball in the air, that's game. Yeah. I JBJ mean, BJ's fast enough that he can run in from third when if the ball is put anywhere outside the infield.
0: Plus, if you have Marco Hernandez bunt him over, There's then you have Mookie pr- Betts, Rafael
1: Devers, and Xander Bogarts up. There's also a pretty good chance that if Hernandez places the bunt well, he could be safe. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a quick guy. He could get over, the, get over to first base in time. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. I mean, that's just the right baseball decision there that's the right strategy is to bunt him over um so i I think they really missed that
1: personally to me it seems as though Cora's game management has fallen off a little bit since last year
0: yeah i'm not quite sure what
1: what's up with that he just seems to be really indecisive when it comes to making moves like especially pitching changes yeah like he'll see a guy struggling and he'll leave him in
0: yeah but he's inconsistent about that, too. Sometimes he's taking a guy out at 80 pitches when he's pitching fine, and sometimes he's leaving him in with 120 pitches or something like that yeah. with traffic on the bases. I don't I don't get that. I don't know what he's trying to do.
1: He, he needs to be better, just like this whole team. Like Aside from the offense, everyone needs to step it up a little bit, and I think Cora needs to as well. I mean, we place a lot of the blame on the bullpen, especially in the last episode, but when you look at it, too, Cora hasn't made great decisions with the bullpen and with – the the starters and the the resting of players and stuff like that and his even his game time decisions
0: now on the other hand there are a lot of people i got some comments on my post last night fire core fire core no I think that's not the solution no that's it's not he he led us to a world series championship last year in 108 wins 119 if you got in the postseason he's not like firing him isn't gonna fix anything he knows what he's doing he knows what he's doing. He's not even been that bad. I mean, when your players are underperforming, it's hard. It's hard to manage.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a reason the Mets coaches throwing <laughs> or throwing chairs and stuff yeah. like that. Like they're nuts. Yeah. Like it's when when your team is struggling, it's hard to as a coach to be a good coach. It's hard to go into the office every day and be like, "All right, let's coach this team to a win." Cuz like you see what they do, like I don't think uh, Core had any influence on JBJ's run to third base last night, but it definitely makes his job harder. Yeah, I mean, people are gonna come down on that. Like, yeah, but not bunting was a mistake. But I mean, you can kind of see the reasoning behind it. You got a hot hitter, a hot clutch hitter up at the plate. I mean, it kind of makes sense. No
0: outs and a runner on second. I guess, yeah. But at the same time, firing him's not the solution. Mm-hmm. And. I feel like that Alex Cora is the type of manager you want to have when your team is struggling because he's such a great leader. He communicates so well with the players. He always has faith in all of his players and trusts them. So he's the kind of leader you want when your team is struggling. They just need to step up their game.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe Andrew Kashner will bring that. I don't know.
0: Let's finish up this Game 3 real quick. Hector Velasquez came came in, just loaded the bases, gave up three runs, and yeah. That's it. That's all it was terrible.
1: It was just Hector Velasquez being Hector Velasquez.
0: It's five hours and 40 minutes I'll never get back of my life. It was bad.
1: It was bad baseball.
0: It was, it was, yeah. So many missed opportunities. Arguably one of the ugliest losses of the year, I have to say.
1: Yeah, so let's get to Andrew Kashner. So he is obviously from the Orioles, uh, ironically because we said last episode— <laughs> We don't want anyone from the Orioles. Yeah, and look what Dave Dombrowski did. Um,
0: yeah, what I said last week: if we have to look around for players on the Orioles to help our team, we're not in a great spot. But Andrew Kashner maybe is the exception. Isn't that bad as you would originally like think, considering he's from the Orioles? But the biggest part of this is we basically gave up nothing for him. We gave up some minor leaguers named Noel Berth Romero and <laughs> Elio Prado. So like nowhere in the top prospects. So we basically got a nine and three pitcher for nothing.
1: Yeah. And I mean, so he has a 1.19 whip, which is very Solid. good. Very good. Um, He's signed through 2021. So he could be that replacement guy for Rick Porcello. If we don't yeah. end up bringing Rick Porcello back, he seems like he could have the flexibility to move into a bullpen arm. If we end up splashing for another big pre-agent starter. Mm-hmm. And he's just, Solid. I mean, he has a four zero career ERA, but he's having yeah. a career year at age thirty two,
0: which uh, is kind of concerning to me. I think the stats are kind of re- deceiving. I was talking to some guy on Instagram who's like very into the advanced statistics, and some of his advanced statistics of like what he's projected to be like, like what he'd be expected to be like in other parks or whatever. Whatever the stats are, I don't know that stuff. But um, he was basically had worse stats than Hector Velasquez the advanced statistics there. I didn't know that. But I don't really care about that. I'm still a strong believer in the real statistics. 383 ERA, and, I mean, the concerning thing, again, is he
1: has a 4-0 career ERA and And a 400 win percentage. That concerns me. The 400 win percentage concerns me because that's not what we need. (laughs) we don't need to be losing more than we're winning, obviously. I mean, that's how baseball works. But, like—
0: Well, to be fair, he's been on some pretty bad teams.
1: That's true. He has—I mean, he, who was he on before the Orioles? Padres, I think. Yeah, makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I think he was on the Cubs before they were good, too. So. I mean, yeah, so a 4 ERA kind of makes sense. I mean, not great support, probably not that great coaching. Yeah. I think he could see a spark kind of like Nate Eovaldi did last year when he joined the Red Sox, yeah. which is kind of what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Um, when he, when is he scheduled to make his first start as a Red Sox? Um, tomorrow. Tomorrow.
0: So. Tuesday. Against the Blue Jays. So that's going to be big. I mean, you can look at all these stats with past teams all you want, but really it comes down to what does he do for us? I don't, like, I'm not going to decide whether this is a good or bad trade until I see him pitch for the Red Sox. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he does because he's very happy to be on the Red Sox. He's happy to be on a contender. He said he's excited to face the Yankees and show what he can do. Kashner's direct quote was, I think this is a dangerous team. I don't think they've played to their full potential yet. I think the thing I'm looking forward to most is playing the Yankees. So he's definitely a competitor. I'm excited to see what he can do for us.
1: Yeah, I would also include the fact that, I mean, he's played for the Orioles. So there must be some sort of building fire inside of him to try and beat the Yankees for once in his life. And it must be fun for him to actually like play with a good team for once. Because, yeah, get get some run support, not have Chris Davis batting for you.
0: Yeah, so I'm I'm excited to see him pitch and see if he can help us.
1: Yeah, I mean, I am too. Uh, not the guy I wanted.
0: Yeah, me too. I was. I mean, he has better stats than Zach Wheeler, but Zach Wheeler's younger and has some more potential. Although Zach Wheeler was just injured, so I oh, guess that's well, that's a plus there. That yeah. We got yeah. Um,
1: the one thing that concerns me is, I feel like this kind of satisfies Dombrowski in a way that it shouldn't. That's
0: what I hate. Dombrowski's like, oh, I did one little thing. I'm done now. He said he may stand pat from here, could make another deal, but not expecting to. Getting this one guy is not going to fix the team. This is not the only solution here. Yes, it helps. Yes, it fills a spot, but we still have the bullpen. Moving (sighs) Evaldi to the bullpen doesn't fix everybody in the bullpen. We still need more arms. For right now, Brandon Workman is our only good reliever. Avaldi is probably going to be good, but you can't have a bullpen with just two or three good relievers and expect it to work in the postseason and against good teams.
1: No, you can't, especially when you're in a division with the Yankees and the Rays. Absolutely. Speaking he- of which, we <sighs> have to play them like... Fourteen straight games where we're playing either the Rays or the Yankees.
0: It's it's gonna be make or break though. Like that
1: that's... that 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 stretch is going to make or break this season. Yeah, and I'm... I'm nervous.
0: It it's either gonna go really well or really bad for us. Like that can really that can really shake up the AL East standings. Yeah, I it, it's scary. I mean it's it's gonna be interesting to see how the Yankees do at Fenway Park for the first time this series to start this. Oh yeah, stretch.
1: yeah because uh. Uh, no, but they played against the Red Sox when the Red Sox were at home in London.
0: London doesn't even count. Like, that shouldn't count for any of the no, it shouldn't. home away, whatever. But, yeah, this is going to be a big, big deciding stretch. And I don't think the Red Sox are ready for it. Like, I'm hoping Avaldi can be back for that. He's supposed to start rehab Wednesday or Thursday. So, I mean, it'd be great. He'll probably be back at some point during that stretch, but if we can get
1: him back for the majority of that stretch, that'd really help.
0: Yeah, especially if...
1: Because those kind those games are going to come down to the wire. They're going to be close yeah. games. Yeah, bullpen. Yeah. It's going to be bullpen... Like, it's going to be bullpen deciders. And the other big thing for those series is is the bats can't go cold. They need to stay consistent like they have been. Yeah. And I'm not super worried about most of them, but, like, some of them... I, I would like to see better production out of especially in those high leverage situations against the Yankees and the Rays.
0: I think the biggest thing is we can't do what we did in this Dodgers series and make all these mistakes to hurt ourselves. I mean that's like that's the big thing when you're playing contending teams like this is you can't beat yourselves. You have to let them you have to make them beat you.
1: Exactly. And this team has the talent to force other teams to let them beat like you, you you guys, you know what I mean. Like yeah. the Red Sox have the talent to force the Yankees or the Rays into beating them.
0: Talent wise, they're one of the most talented teams in the MLB. So Yeah,
1: they shouldn't if they can get out of their own way, if players can get out of their own way, if Chris Sale can get out of his own way, the Red Sox are in a much better situation going forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's gonna be a that's gonna be an interesting stretch there.
1: It's okay though, because we did get rid of the worst guy on the team.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we didn't get to talk about this yet. Tyler Thornburg was released by the Red Sox. The Tyler Thornburg era is finally over. I'm so happy about this. What
1: an L for the Red Sox organization. I know, seriously. Like,
0: I think he had, like, a negative .2 war with the Red Sox, while Travis Shaw had a 6.2
1: war with the Brewers. Imagine an infield of Travis Shaw, Michael Chavis, Xander Bogarts, and uh, Raphael Devers with Marco Hernandez and Brock Holt off the bench.
0: I actually don't like. I don't. I like. Ty, um, I like Travis Shaw when we had him, but I. I'm not upset that we got rid of him in the sense that, it allowed Raphael Devers to come up sooner and be in the spot he is now. It allowed us to sign Mitch Moreland and have him. That's fair. That's a fair for us. I mean, I Plus, just
1: am pissed that we had to get Tyler Thornburg.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's.
1: But it's okay. He's gone. We don't he's, have to. We don't he's, have to think about him ever again.
0: But to be fair, Travis Shaw is in the minors right now. He's really, really struggling. Um, so I mean, there's no way to justify this trade. <laughs> Thornberg had a six five four ERA in his time with the Red Sox. I don't remember him ever having like a good inning outside of maybe spring training. <laughs> he was the worst.
1: I'm so glad. He was also like he had such a bad attitude. Like. When the Red Sox tried to send him down to Triple A, they were—he was yeah. like, "No, I'm yeah. not going." We we tried to send him like, we ended his rehab
0: assignment and tried to put him down into Triple because obviously he's not good enough for the MLB team. And he was like, "No," he he declined the—he refused to go to the minors. No major league baseball team wants you on your ros- on the roster. You're not a major league caliber player at all. Like I don't know what he's. Why would he think that he could possibly be on a major league roster? He couldn't even be in the Orioles roster. That's how bad he is.
1: I mean, yeah. He's... I have I have no disagreements with that, with that statement.
0: Seriously, though. Like, as a player, don't you realize that you're that bad and you can't be on the major league roster? Wouldn't you want to be in the minors to get better and may, maybe make it back? Like, no one's going to sign you right now. You're better off going to the minors and working on it than just not playing
1: at all. Yeah, I mean, you're completely right. And you know what? It sucks to be him. He can go... Find another yeah. job. We won't miss him. We will certainly not. I won't miss him coming in and blowing games every other t- every t- other time he pitches.
0: Yeah, I, I I love those games where up like ten to one he comes in and gives up like four runs.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like in the long run, it doesn't make a significant impact. But like at the same time, it's just it's sad. I'm just glad he's gone. So, is
0: Tyler Thornburg a worse like is the Tyler Thornburg era worse than the Pablo Sandoval era?
1: No, not at all. I agree. Yeah, not at all. We paid Pablo Sandoval five years and one hundred and forty right. million dollars. Yeah, we did not pay Tyler Thornburg that much money. Also, Tyler Thornburg didn't go on, didn't go up to the plate, take a swing, and have his belt break open <laughs> because he had too many jelly donuts.
0: And he wasn't on Instagram during a game either. So, yep, glad he's gone. Um, yeah, so let's talk about the interviews we did this week. Nick Decker and Nick Northcutt, both top prospects in the Red Sox organization. Super nice guys. Yeah, they were, they were amazing. Um, we went out to the Spinner's Ballpark. We interviewed them in their dugout, and it was an awesome experience. They were awesome to have. Um, so let's send it over to that. Enjoy. All right, we're here with Nick Decker and Nick Northcutt in the dugout podcast, literally in the dugout here. Um, So first off, i got to ask, what was it like getting drafted?
2: Um, I mean, it was an unbelievable night. Um, To experience that is something I dreamed of as a little kid. Um, To be able to spend that night with my family, my friends, my coach, um, it was surreal. And then, uh, like, even looking back on that night, the videos from that night, it gives me the chills uh, to know I'm living out my dream, and it was just an unbelievable experience.
3: Yeah, I mean, draft night was awesome. Uh, ended up going on a third day and couldn't ask to be a part of a better organization. Um, it was just an unbelievable experience to be able to share that with my family and my friends and uh, you know, get ready to get going on my, my professional baseball career. Something I've always wanted to do uh, my whole life. So I was just blessed and humbled to be able to have the opportunity to come out here and play. So
0: how would you guys first find out that you were drafted?
2: I mean, like that night. Um, my agent told me kind of what the deal was. Like at the end of the first round, he'll give me a call. And so when he gave me that call, my phone was ringing, like my whole house went silent. It was pretty, pretty cool. Um, and then he told me what the situation was. And it was the Boston Red Sox. He's like, do you want to do a deal? I was like, of course. Like, I mean, there couldn't be a better organization to be a part of. It's like, all right, like let me call him. we will give you a call back. And then they settled things with the deal and – uh, just gave me the opportunity to be a part of this organization and from then on it was just uh, celebrating the moment with my family and um, it's uh, no better feeling to be a part of this organization yeah I mean I got a, I got a phone call
3: the uh, morning of the third day and uh, I was told you know that the Red Sox wanted to go with me and uh, it's just something that I've, I was blessed and humbled to be able to be be chosen by them and um, Next thing you know I got drafted and then a couple days later I was in, in Florida getting ready to play. So, well, How's your experience so far been with the organization like in the minor league systems? It's been awesome, you know, just being able to get go to a first class facility down in Fort Myers, Florida. Um, spend the first year down there of uh, rookie ball. Um, kind of get the feel of everything, how, how professional baseball works as far as um, you know, the, the routines and the schedules and, and all that. And then being able to come up here to Lowell and be a part of this this organization and this tradition up here, you know, it's 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 quite special. Um, it's great, great league, unbelievable stadium, great atmosphere. You know, it's a great town to be in, and uh, just I'm just blessed be, to be able to be here, and it's a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, um, for sure. I was able to um, be down in GCL with him as well. <clears throat> it was um, not the way I wanted to start my career, not being able to play. Um, but that stuff happens, and um, I was able to learn from the side. Um, being able to watch the game from the bench, it's definitely a different way. Uh, you learn stuff that you might not have learned playing the game. Like, I got to learn a lot from Nick. Um, we got to just communicate in the dugout what was going on on the field, stuff like that. So being able to sit back and watch that first year, um, maybe it helped me a little bit to um, get adjusted Um, And then being able to play this year, it's just what I love to do. And um, being back out here, being in Lowell, it's been a lot of fun. Playing in front of fans and you don't really get to do that down in GCL. Um, So it's like that adrenaline starts to flow late in the games. Like it's just high energy and it's a lot of fun to play here.
0: So I got to ask Nick, you were drafted in the second round and you got a $1.2 million signing bonus. So what was your first big league purchase of that big league money?
2: Uh, honestly, um, I mean, I had a Jeep, uh, so I just got some stuff done to that, um, got it all done up. But other than that, I'm saving my money and um, just investing it. Um, not, not changing my lifestyle too much, because that's the way I was raised, just to be grateful for what I have and just live live the life that um, I've been living. Don't let money change that.
0: And you still signed for half a million dollars, so what do you purchase first?
3: Yeah, I got the big boy Jeep, so Decker's got the, the mini-me, so yeah, we, we kid, kid around and everything, but yeah, that was the first purchase I got, um, and then I, I gave my parents a good amount of money and helped them out, um, paid off some of their debt, um, nice. kind of just to be thankful for everything that they sacrificed for me um, and to give me the opportunity to be to be, to be where I am today, so um, yeah, that's what I did with my little bit of money at the beginning, and the rest of it I got to put away and saved up. Nice so i know both of you were drafted out of high school and you both had committed to colleges so how difficult was the choice of uh signing with the Sox or going to college because i know i know you were committed to vandy right yeah 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 for me you know it was an unbelievably tough decision um obviously vanderbilt is is the best college baseball program out there right now they just won the college world series Um, So, yeah, I mean, it was really tough for me to be able to to pass up on that opportunity, especially with them winning the World Series this year, which would have been my first year there. Um, But, you know, for me, this is something I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to be a professional baseball player. That was a dream I had when I was nine years old is, you know, I want to be a professional baseball player. And when I got the opportunity to kind of start chasing my dream, I couldn't pass it up.
2: Yeah, I mean, same for me. Um, I committed to Maryland real early. Um, That was a school that... The first school that really started to recruit me, and I would love their coaching staff. Um, it was just blue collar, and that was le- the way I was raised to um, have a good work ethic, and that's what they, um, that was their, their motto to work hard and everything else will take care of itself. But when the opportunity came along to play for the Red Sox and get picked where I did, uh, at the end of the day, it was a no brainer, and my coach knew that, and he just he was the first one to congratulate me and be like there's no one better to go about this journey and to have someone in my corner like that that I still keep in touch with is and I didn't even wasn't even wasn't even able to go there it's just um, just speaks for himself as the type of person and coach he is
1: Have you kept like communicating with him in order to like if he to get tips from
2: him and stuff like that I mean like just now and then when like the other day, uh, last week when I hit my first home run, he, he gave me a text, which was very nice of him. He didn't have to do that to reach out, but that just speaks for who he is as a person. And, um, yeah, whenever I can, I try to still get information from him, talk to him. I know a lot of guys on the team, so I try to keep in contact with those guys.
0: So, Nick, you're from New
2: Jersey, so I got to ask, did you grow up a Yankees fan? No, I was from South Jersey. I grew up a Philly sports fan.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Alex down there. He's a Eagles
3: fan. So, um, uh, yep. And then Nick, you were from Ohio, so what were you a fan of? Yeah, Cincinnati. So uh, obviously the Cincinnati Reds had to hang in there with the Bengals and struggle a little bit, but uh, yeah, just just Cincinnati sports fan. Um, you know, love going to the games, love love following the uh, tradition there. So when I got the call by the Red Sox, you know, it was kind of kind of awesome to be able to switch gears and uh, transfer over to them.
0: And who is your guy with the Reds? Who would you look up to as your baseball idol?
3: Man, I mean, I I watched a lot of uh, Joey Votto at the plate. Watched his approach. Um, Unbelievable uh, with what he can do at the plate. Um, And defensively, I love watching Brandon Phillips. I was pretty spoiled to get to watch him for a couple years in Cincinnati, Um, and him making those unbelievable plays and just playing the game with a lot of fun out there. So it was just awesome to be able to watch the guys that came through the Cincinnati Reds organization and and through Cincinnati. and. you know, watch how they go about things and and learn from them. Same question to you. Uh,
2: Growing up, my favorite player was Chase Sutley. Just the way he went about his business, going hard, um, playing the game hard, doing whatever it takes to win. He'd run over the catcher when he was allowed to, when that was not a rule. Take a pitch off the forearm, off the elbow, wouldn't wear elbow guard. He was tough. He gave everything for that city. um, And that's what I plan to do for Boston. What's the most
0: exciting part of playing for the Boston Red Sox, being in the organization of the Boston Red Sox?
2: I mean, it's a first class organization, they won the World Series last year, they have a great chance to go do that again um, with a good second half and I mean it's just, in spring training being able to be around those guys, JD, Mookie, the best guys in the league, it's just surreal. You get to learn from them and you get to see how they go about their business what it takes to be a world championship kind of team, kind of player. Um, it's just, couldn't ask for anything better. Couldn't ask to be on a, any other organization. This is just a dream come true.
3: Yeah, I mean, the it's just such an honor to be part of such rich history here uh, with the Boston Red Sox. And um, it's very humbling to see, you know, to be a part of the the franchise, one of the most well-known franchises in the world. and. Um, and everybody who came before us, and, and respecting those who, who also came before us. So, um, it's just a blessing and an honor to be able to be be a part of such a great organization, and, and the organization that does things at such a high high class level. It's awesome.
0: In spring training, did you get to talk to anyone, who was like, "Wow, I'm really talking to this guy right now about baseball"?
3: Yeah, I mean, we would we would we get to cut up um, with a couple people here and there. I mean, um, I ended up facing Chris Sale. Nathan Valdy and uh, Matt Barnes. How was that? It was pretty fun. <laughs> it was it was definitely a different level of pitching for sure. Um, but you know, it's, it's what you live for. It's a dream. You know, get to face face guys that are the best in the game, and um, it's just cool to be able to, to hit against them and, and kind of cut up with them and and just see guys every day and and pick their brains and pick pick what they're doing and try to learn something new from them every day
2: yeah um i got to face rick porcello as well and um in a live bp and i just hear a couple guys talking behind me and i turn around and it's pedro martinez like to be like around him just to hear what he has to say for him to be there just watching a live bp i mean it was pretty awesome it's surreal to just like think about the history of the organization the guys that come back every spring training david ortiz pedro for them to be around there like it's just those are the guys you grew up watching on TV, idolizing. I mean, it's just awesome.
0: So Nick, uh, I believe you were originally a two-way player, both a batter and a pitcher. So do you think that pitcher
3: you could strike out batter you? It uh, depends on the day, for sure. <laughs> depends on how I'm feeling at the plate. Um, but no, I mean, you know, pitching, pitching was what I um, I was known for when I was pretty young. Um, I committed to Vandy as a PO early on when I was a sophomore and then hitting and and fielding kind of took over after that Um, but you know I don't I don't really know it'd be a good good battle for sure.
0: So MLB does the players weekend every year where the players can pick nicknames for the back of their jerseys so what would your nicknames be?
2: Um, Buzz Lightyear? (laughs) I don't know I mean like being like growing up in South Jersey, like my walkout song is Rocky theme song. I don't. I'm not sure what it would be, but I'd have to let someone else give me that. Rocky Jr. Uh, Decker, Deck. Yeah, I, I don't know. It'd be, it'd be, um, it'd be a tough decision. Yeah, I mean my nickname kind of around here is uh, Cuddy, um,
3: just kind of short for Northcutt. So that probably won't be my player's name. I
0: like it. So I love asking this question of baseball players. Would you rather go five for five with
2: five singles or one for five with a grand slam? Honestly, it depends, f- like, on the situation, the outcome of the game. Like, if that grand slam's to win the game, of course, if that last single of the game to walk the game off, that too. I mean, it all depends. I'll do whatever it takes to win the game. If it's going 0 for 0 with a couple of walks or a couple of sack flies, Whatever, uh, a couple sack bunts. I'll do whatever it takes to win the game.
3: Yeah, same, same here. I mean, if it's the, it definitely depends on the situation for, uh, for the game. Like if, if it helps helps the team win that day, that's obviously the the ultimate goal. Um, just out here, just playing, trying to help the team win. So it depends depends on the situation. Rather go one for five with a home with a grand slam if this to win the game, or you know five for five with a with a base hit single to to walk it off. Which current or former MLB
0: players do you think you're the best comparisons to?
2: Um, I'll let Northcutt answer for me. I'll answer for him.
3: That sounds good. For Decker, I would say Decker's like a beefy Cody Bellinger, for sure. I'll take that. I like it. He's got got mad pop, really good defensive in the outfield. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see, see where that takes him.
2: Yeah, I mean, <coughs> for Nick... He's kind of been doing, like, he's reminded me of Arenado a little bit in the box with his feet. So I think I'm going to go with that, uh, and he can pick it defensively. Um, He might have to grow a few inches, uh, (laughs) but, um, yeah, he, he can definitely swing and can pick it at third, so that's a good comparison, I think.
0: So I know you have a YouTube channel where you originally started doing
3: vlogs. You've been posting a while. What's going on with that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I,
3: I, got, I got lazy lately, uh, started, started traveling a lot, and um, you know, I just haven't been on top of it. But I'm going to try to get back on it here eventually. Um, I was actually just using my phone to videotape all those. And uh, now I got a new phone, and I got to get all new equipment and everything. So once I get, get some of that stuff and uh, kind of get some, some free time and able to, to get some video, I'm definitely going to try to get back on that. And one of those
0: videos was highlighting YouTube being new roommates. So give us the best part and the worst part of being roommates with each
2: other. Uh, best part
3: about being roommates together.
2: I mean we kinda just we're both like <laughs> we have a lot of similarities. Yeah. So um like the name. Yeah. yeah I mean that will start it off. Um watch the I,
3: same TV shows. Yeah.
2: yeah and cool. like I mean also having a lot of same same similarities also has its um downfalls. Yeah, um sure. but I mean, yeah, it was it was fun being roommates. Um Yeah, we yeah, it was it was definitely fun. We were, being we're we were both a little messy. So, I mean, yeah, we our, tend to be a little messy. Our our room was uh it's all right, but the 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 maids helped us out a little bit here and there. Uh yeah. living in a hotel it's good like you come back, beds are made, all that. Yeah, so yeah, it was definitely fun being roommates.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, I know that the minor league life is kind of tough, you know, with the bus rides and all that. So, um, what's, been the, what's been the most difficult part to adjust to? Well, I would say definitely this past road trip. Um, we got back this morning at 6 a.m. and we're here today, uh, getting ready to play a ball game tonight. So, um, definitely adjusting to the travel, learning how to, um, you know, take care of your body, especially when you're on the bus. you got to travel long distances making sure you're getting stretched out, doing the right things on a day-to-day basis, eating the right things, making sure you get enough rest to be able to go out there and perform every single night is definitely definitely a big adjustment once you start getting out of the GCL and you come up here to get a real taste of professional baseball. Do either of
1: you guys have superstitions before the game or like before you go up to a tournament at bat? or?
2: Yeah, I actually have a lot, but I don't know if I can share them. They might not work anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean, for me, I just basically I get,
2: I get a new piece of gum
3: before I get get in the box every time, um, before I go up to the plate, try to get something, something new, something to keep my mind off of it. Um, wear two socks. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. I probably do, I, I probably do
2: the exact same thing every single day. Yeah. I just don't really notice it. Yeah, I definitely do. Just. If a routine works, I continue to do it. If it doesn't work, I try to change something small up a little bit. But um, yeah, I mean, baseball is a big superstitious game. Um, I mean, whatever you can find something that works, you try to stick with it until it doesn't work anymore. Yeah, if it's it's working, don't mess with it. No. Baseball gods will come back and bite you in the butt for it. Do you
0: have any kind of go-to pre-game meals or snacks or
3: post-game? Um,
2: pre-game meal, man, you know, just to just try
3: to get something that's going to fill me up but not going to be too heavy on my stomach, um, try to get like a sandwich in or something, um, get some fruit.
2: Yeah, same thing, like we have a pre-game spread, um, get some fruit, some yogurt, a sandwich, um, just get something in the stomach before going out and play. You don't want to um, get stuffed. And not be able to beat out a ground ball or do something, get thrown out on the bases.
3: Yeah, yeah. But for
2: uh, post-game meals,
3: definitely, definitely something that uh, you know tastes good and, and hits the spot and doesn't completely break the uh, carbs and all the calories after the game. So, but um, yeah, and no, I just try to get something that just fills you up, replenishes your body, gets you healthy. Um, you know, keeps you keeps your body functioning at a high level where you can recover and wake up the next morning and come out here and do it again. And then going back
0: to the long bus ride you talked about, what's your go-to thing to do? Like, are you sleeping or are you gaming out on your phone?
2: Oh, I mean, now that I finish watching Stranger Things, I feel lost on the bus. Um, So yeah, I'm I'm pretty bummed out about that. I wish the fourth season would come out now. Um, But I mean, watching Creed, obviously I'm a huge Rocky fan, so watching Creed last night was awesome. Um, And then just try to get some sleep. And when when we're all awake, we joke around with each other, maybe play some music, sing a little bit, Um, you know, just stay loose on the bus, try to make the bus ride go by a little quicker.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely just try to cut up a little bit, watch some movies, relax, just you know, just try to make everything go by as quick as possible to get to the next city to play. Um, But yeah, I mean, just watching movies, just hanging out on the phone, kind of just relaxing, catching up on some things, you know. It's pretty much all we get to do.
0: Last thing before we let you go. What's the message you have to Red Sox Nation about who you are and what they can expect as you level up in the minor leagues?
2: I mean, they're going to get someone who's going to leave it out on the field day in and day out. And um, I mean, ultimately, I want to get to the big leagues as quick as possible and help them win another championship. So I mean, that's the goal. And um, I just want to let them know that they're going to get everything they have out of me. Yeah, I mean, for me,
3: you just, just try to be an impact, um, just whether that's on or off the baseball field, try to impact uh, somebody's life, some some people's lives, whether that's being an inspiration to them as a, as a baseball player or or off the field as, as, a, as a man. So, just for me, um, you're going to get 110% every single day. Uh, you know, come out here just trying to learn as much as I can, whether it's, you know, learning how to hit a curveball or, you know, learning how to do some laundry at the hotel. So, uh, definitely just... Just trying to impact people's lives, help people out, um, you know, be an inspiration to people, and and just be there for
2: everybody.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for doing this with us.
2: Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks
0: Can't having wait us. to see you guys in the big league soon. Appreciate thank you. you. All right, there you have it. Nick Decker and Nick Northcutt. Big thanks to them for coming on and doing that with us. Big thanks to the Lowell Spinners for setting us up with that and letting us do it in the dugout. I mean, it was
1: amazing. They were awesome. Yeah. I mean, that was definitely one of the the highlights of of uh, my career as a podcaster. I have to say, <laughs> yeah, probably one of the highlights of the
0: podcast overall. I mean, that was awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's interviewing over the phone is completely different than interviewing in person. Absolutely. And they were just they were so much they had so much fun with it, and they were just like they weren't too serious, but they didn't take it like a joke, which was really nice. And, they
0: played off each other really well. I think it helped they were roommates. That was nice.
1: Yeah. It was funny when one of them walked, uh, I think it was Decker walked, up to me fir- Decker walked up to me first, and he says, hi, I'm Nick, and then Northcutt walks up to me and says, hi, I'm Nick, and I was like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a little tough, like, asking the questions, because,
0: like, they're both named Nick, so you're like, Nick, what did you think about this? And then you, Nick? <laughs>
1: yeah. But it, it, it worked out. They, yeah, were, they were awesome. They were super fun. Um, coincidentally... Not a coincidence. <laughs> oh, true. Sorry. My mistake. Not a coincidence. They went... They were on fire after we talked to them.
0: Yeah, Nick Decker, the game um, after we talked to him, he had a homer, a three-run homer that was deciding homer in that game. And then the next day, Nick
1: Northcutt walked it off. So, I mean. So here's the solution, basically. Um, So the Red Sox, obviously, (laughs) they struggle immensely. Mookie Betts has not been good. Chris Sale has not been good. Here's our solution. Let us interview Chris Sale and Mookie Betts in the Red Sox dugout.
0: Yeah, come on the podcast and you will be good. That's just how it works. Yeah, exactly. So just let's interview you. It'll be it'll be great.
1: Yeah, I mean that's it's it's as simple as that. Like there's not much more to, to to explain from that. I mean, I'll tell you this. If
0: we interviewed Chris Sale in the Red Sox dugout, he wouldn't lose another game this season.
1: Nope, definitely not.
0: Bookie Bets would not get out another game this season. <laughs> he would bet 1000 for the rest of the season if he if he came on on the podcast. But yeah, uh, Decker at Northcutt, awesome! I cannot wait to see them in the major leagues.
1: Yeah, it was su- it was a super cool experience, and we're hoping that we can continue to move up in the food chain and eventually reach the Red Sox.
0: Yeah, we we already got uh, we've been talking to one guest. We're not gonna say their name yet, but we got something in the works. Um, we'll probably do some more interviews with players in dugouts. I'm excited for that. Got to uh, do it in the dugout because of mean, course, of course, name of the podcast. Yeah, on. it's the only way to do it. Yeah, but again, big thanks to the Lowell Spinners and Northcutt and Decker. I mean, it was it was awesome, and they just came back from like a nine-hour bus ride or something like that from Canada or something. So I'm um, very glad they made the time for us before their game. Um, I did make a highlight video. It's going to be on the YouTube. Uh, it's probably going to be called like in the dugout with Nick Decker and Nick Northcutt. So you can look that up if you want to see
1: some. It's a video of it. It's pretty funny. There's some pretty funny highlights in there. Yeah. Um, you can see Joey being a moron
0: yeah I mean Joey loved being there but I mean there's some points where he was just kind of like looking down like zoned <laughs> out <laughs> no but he had fun
1: we all did it was a good time oh almost forgot so I was thinking I want to go see I, I'm really upset because I missed out on going to see Florida Georgia Line last week because I couldn't get discounts on tickets what, what, what should I do next time SeatGeek SeatGeek is the perfect place for you then because it is the
0: best ticket provider out there for all sports, concerts, shows, and more. They make buying tickets easy by grading every ticket price so you know you're getting the best deal. And they provide a view from your seat so you can pick the perfect seats to any event, including that concert. Plus, you can get $20 off your first purchase of the SeatGeek by using the promo code DUGOUT. So get out there. Um, yeah, so that'll do it for this week. Tune in next week, next episode. Hopefully we'll get some guests on in the coming weeks again. Hopefully Garrett and Joey will be free. Yeah. We'll probably do a four-man podcast again, see how that works. This time <laughs> this time we'll do it in person, and Joey won't be in Ireland, Ireland or whatever. <laughs> so that should be good. But, yeah, uh, tune in next episode. See you then. Bye.